the mission to evangelize, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. So if everything else stays the same, what is the one thing that you can influence, that you can change, that will have the greatest impact on moving that mission forward in your parish? If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host, John Cons, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're answering the question, how do you make change happen in your parish? John, how are you? Ty, it is good to have you back in the saddle this week. This, it's been a roller coaster of a week uh, for my wife and I. Like you'd said on the last episode, we did welcome a healthy baby boy. Um, prayers are still appreciated. My wife did not have a very good delivery. Uh, we ended up having to go cesarean and that, yeah. Anybody that's ever had an epidural go bad, you can sympathize with my wife. Mm-hmm. So, keep praying for us. <laughs> well, I do every day. I do yes. every day. You're covered. <laughs> but baby's healthy. Mom's recuperating. Everybody's healthy. It's it's good to see. And of course, the baby takes Teddy takes after his mom, so he's good looking. Yep. There you go. <laughs> I'm just hoping that a couple years down the road, he takes after me and he's funny. <laughs> We're all hoping on that. We're all hoping on that. <laughs> well, today we're, we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to switch things up, and I, I'm going to try and put together some serieses for the podcast. And so we're, we're just taking on a little different format so we can plan the content to kind of roll into each other and have a little bit, instead of just kind of cherry-picking specific topics to talk about, um, to be able to roll in and go a little more in-depth with some individual topics for the podcast. And so this week, like you said, it's all about change. It's going to be the first in a three-part series on making change happen in your parish. And there's really, there's really three steps to making change happen. So today we're going to talk about identifying the change that needs to be made. Kind of how do you, how do you hone that down? How do you dial that in? Next week, we'll talk about communicating that change to your parish. What's a good rhythm, a good flow, some good best practices for communicating change that is going to happen in your parish. And then finally, how you will implement the change. So that's those next three weeks. It's going to take us through the process of making change happen in your parish. And uh, and so I think let's, uh, should we dive right on in? I do have some listener feedback. Oh, you do? Oh, well, yeah. let's hear that. Because I'm a listener this time. Oh, so I listened be gen- to be gentle. <laughs> I listened to the previous episode with Mike Ward, and you can definitely tell he is on fire. Mm. I love how you know he he is of our age. I don't know how old he is exactly, but when he joined in on the high school musical reference and started singing. <laughs> it it made my soul happy uh, when he started talking about the technology that he has to use. Right, he's talking about uh, Microsoft three six uh, three sixty five or three sixty. I can't remember anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out of the corporate world. 
But when he started talking about OneDrive and utilizing a cloud-based system, like that in and of itself pulled the church for one split second into the, like the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he, so I worked with him for, for a couple of years and that was kind of his thing was, was pushing the envelope and really encouraging people to step forward so that we can speak with clarity and consistency and utilize because it, Technology is not evil, but we have to use it the right way so we can get the most bang for our buck out of it. We can make it a really powerful tool for evangelization. And Mike's kind of on the forefront of that. He's always got his kind of his nose to the ground looking for the next thing and paying attention so that he can continue to make his ministry better. And, and that I like that's one of the reasons I brought him on is because I know he's got that fire for it and he wants to be excellent and he strives after excellent. And that's those are the people we're looking to serve here with the podcast. So it was great to have him on. I already have our next person lined up for uh, an actual interview with another Catholic ministry professional. So you guys keep your eyes peeled. We've got a lot of good stuff coming down the line. All of it here to serve you in your ministries. I hope it's Mama Cons. <laughs> we, you, maybe we should get her on. I've been saying this since like episode seven. <laughs> well, okay, we'll get Mama Cons on here. Honestly, she'll wipe the floor with both of us. She's been in the field for so long, just changing lives, making you know people what? holy. Hey, bring it. <laughs> she All might right, be we'll the Ethel that we've been talking about. Well, I don't know if we can afford her. We'll see. Oh, man, <laughs> that's true. All right, but today we're talking about identifying the change that needs to be made. And and I want to just start with, you know, kind of three assumptions or maybe best practices. If you've if you've got something and you you are ready to implement more of a process of evolution or like a commitment to change throughout your ministry, and I I think it's really healthy. It keeps things fresh, it keeps it new, it keeps people engaged on another level, but there are some best practices, some assumptions that are worth going over. And I've just got three of them. And the first of this is that as everything that we talk about here on Catholic Ministry Professionals, the first thing is that it needs to be the thing that God is calling you to do, right? You need to be discerning the will of God. We're assuming that you are actively praying with your ministry and seeking to follow God's will for it, that you have a deep habit of prayer. And if you don't have this, as we've said again and again, as the saints attest to, if you don't have this deep interior life of prayer, you are going to burn out. And, and all the talent in the world isn't going to make up for a soul that that is not connected to the heart of Jesus. So you, you have to know that your work comes from and returns to him. You need to be, be, you need to be filled up before you pour yourself out. You can't pour from an empty cup. Can't pour from an empty cup. That's right. And so you need to be using your prayer journal or working with a spiritual director, you know, and that's just going to help to make sure too, as you kind of track those patterns, those consolations, those desolations, the movements of the spirit, working, you know, using a prayer journal for sure, but definitely working with a spiritual director. They can also help you to make sure that as you're discerning this, you're not discerning it from a place of pride or a place of laziness that, you know, that pride, maybe I want to do this just to show them that it's better or that laziness, you know, I, I want to do this because it's going to make my my job easier. And that's the main reason I want to move this way. So just really making sure that it that your decision-making process is deeply rooted in that interior life of prayer and connected um, and, and maybe run past um, the spiritual director. I think that's an assumption, number one, maybe one of those first best practices. 
Number two, the second assumption, the second best practice, I'm assuming that you're operating in areas where you have decision-making rights, right? You can't just decide that the change we're going to make is we're going to fire so-and-so if you don't have the right to fire them, right? So there's a real spiritual hierarchy in the church, and we need to be aware of that as we make decisions. But that said, you're also called into leadership in your parish, and it is in cooperation with the pastor. So you do have a voice. You you, You do have a call to step into some level and be given some level of that authority. So you need to use your voice. You need to kind of stand up for yourself, and you need to trust that if God has given you the vision, if it's from him and you've discerned it, you really should try to see it through especially in those areas where you have control, those decision-making rights. And so, you know, if you're if you're in a position, and we've covered this in previous podcasts, if you're in a position where you don't, where you're constantly running every little idea past your, your pastor, you're probably running into a lot of no's just because you're running all of those decisions past him and he doesn't have room to, he doesn't have any more energy to make decisions for you. He's got 45 decisions on his plate he's got to make that day. He can't do your job for you too. So we're assuming that you've got some decision-making rights. If you haven't got those decision-making rights yet, this is the one question you need to ask is every time you're bringing one of these questions to to your pastor, you just say, hey, Father, do you need me to run ideas like this past you in the future, decisions like this? And it could be the simple things of what curriculum you're going to choose, whatever it is. Chances are he's going to say, just keep me in the loop, which means make the decision and tell me what decision you've made. So that's kind of a way of of appropriating your decision-making, kind of feeling out where those lines are if there haven't been clear lines made in the context of your job, where you get to just make the decision, where the bucks drops. But again, we're assuming that for the this process of implementing change in your ministry and in your parish, that you have established some level of decision-making rights. If you haven't yet, that's where you want to start. Number three, and I think this is something that gets overlooked a lot. This is best practices. Number three, don't make decisions in a silo. Don't make them without running ideas, floating things out there. Uh, You want to ask some key parishioners, some key participants what they think of the idea. You want to chat with your pastor, your parish team. You want to float ideas out there because you'll notice that there's a resonance of the spirit. There's an excitement that's built around some things, and and there's not excitement around others. And that doesn't mean that if if it doesn't excite them that you shouldn't do it, but it lets you, it kind of gives you an idea ahead of time what kind of work you're looking at and what you're building towards. But either way, the more people you can get on board before the decision's made, the more excitement there will be in the room when it comes to communicating that change. So it, it does plant little seeds. It also helps you to kind of I would say refine some of the things that we'll get get to down here in a way, but kind of refine what exactly it is you're communicating to people. What exactly is that change? It can help you to refine it. And also, like we said above, kind of like a spiritual director, sometimes people people will just say, well, I don't understand why this is an issue. And that, that can give you an idea of what you're speaking into and whether this change, again, whether it resonates, whether it's something you're going to have to work a little harder to get some steam built up. Yeah, and I think... More importantly, you, you say getting people on board, but getting the right people on board, right? The, those key influencers or the, the, mm-hmm. the key opinion leaders, all it takes is for them to say, huh, that is a good point. I have been struggling with that. Then other people are like, yeah, I same here. But you don't want to get that key opinion leader saying, yeah, we don't need it. That's mm-hmm. a terrible idea. Then everybody's going to be like, yeah, you know, they're right. We don't need it. And now 
you're out of luck. You've already made the decision to do it. And now you got to undo what you decided to do. Or now you're pushing that ball back up the hill. And that is so much more work. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it, it is good to just kind of flesh out some of those ideas, even before a key decision has been made, before you've really settled, just just run it past people that you trust, that you know um, can kind of be those, will be those cheerleaders, but also will speak the truth into what you're considering, what you're praying over. Amen. Amen. So those are the three assumptions that I would say the three best practices, at, at least for approaching this is this assumption that you are discerning these decisions with God, that you're operating in areas where you have decision-making rights, and that you are not making decisions in a silo. So from there, then, assuming those things are in place, it's time to make a decision. And and we want to... I've got a question that I think we can ask that, that really boils down to what is the thing that we need to change? What is the decision that we need to make? And I am borrowing this from the, the 4DX um, group that, that that we went over a couple episodes ago, episode number 26. So definitely give that episode a listen and um, buy the book. It's it's a great read, especially for people who are in leadership that have teams of people that they work with. So this number one question that you need to ask yourself, if you're looking to implement change in the parish, you want to pick something that's going to move the mission forward. So this question is, if everything else stays the same, right? Nothing else in the parish changes. What is the one area where change would have the greatest impact on implementing the church's mission? So that was kind of a wordy sentence, so I'll say it again. If everything else stays the same in the parish, what is the one area where change would have the greatest impact on implementing the church's mission? Right? So that mission obviously being to evangelize, right? This is coming straight out of the end of the Gospel of Mark uh, of Matthew, the Great Commission, the mission to evangelize, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. So if everything else stays the same, what is the one thing that you can influence, that you can change, that will have the greatest impact on moving that mission forward in your parish? That's the thing you want to kind of hone in on. That's the thing you want to dial in and understand that that is your greatest area of impact that you can influence. And so you want to go all in on that. And and so that can look any of a number of kind of ways. You know, some examples of what that might look like in a parish. Maybe Maybe you can't change the curriculum that you've ordered for the year, but maybe you can implement Lexio Divina to start every single session right, for religious ed, for maybe even, I would even say for the different councils that you have to run, the different meetings, whether it's parish council, maybe you're going to say, we're going to start every single session when we meet with 10 minutes of Lectio Divina, so we can listen to God's voice speaking into our meeting. Maybe that's the best thing, because that's going to saturate that leadership with the Word of God. Or maybe your catechists, maybe they're not great evangelizers. So, you know, you can't do a whole lot about who was willing to be a catechist and who wasn't. But maybe you're going to have a large group rally at the beginning of every single session because you know you can evangelize well. Maybe you've got that gift. Or maybe you're going to make it mandatory for catechists to stay an extra 15 to 20 minutes afterwards, after every single meeting, or to come early so that you can catechize them on how to do their job more effectively, how to be better evangelizers, right? Those might be things that would help move that mission forward and 
just boost that impact. Um, another example, maybe, so a lot of us have, have read that document on American Catholic religious parenting. It came out of the University of, of Notre Dame. It's a great read. But what it really does is it, it talks about how important that role of the parent is in the religious outcomes of children. So you know, like our parents are actually our greatest resource. And if we're not utilizing them, we're not doing it well. So our best bet is to really work on the parents. So you're going to make it mandatory for parents to attend formation events, or you're going to default to just having the parents be the catechists and say, hey, this is the only way this works. You guys are now the catechists, right? And so they need to commit to some dates, you know, and be a part of their kids' faith formation. Or you're going to have mandatory take-home First Communion prep or something like that, right? Or parents got to go through RCIA again. I love that. <laughs> that's that's me being funny and serious at the same time. I, you know what? We actually did that at a parish. It wasn't RCIA, but offering adult faith formation um, concurrently with our youth formation. So whether it was Religious Ed or EDGE or any of the other programs, the parents had the opportunity to do some formation alongside the, the kids as they were meeting. And uh, it, actually, people really liked it. And so that's, yeah, that's a great idea. And that's, that can be something you communicate. Now, a different little tack, maybe you work in finance, right? And we know that um, if people are online givers, we can more accurately predict the income into the church. And then the more generously they're able to give, then we can use that money to effectively build the kingdom in different ways. So we're going to move everyone online, even the old people, right? <laughs> the people who are technology adverse. But recognizing that connection to how effectively we can evangelize based on the types of programming we give or that we can offer based on how much is given and what we have available to bring in speakers or whatever it is. Um, you might be in charge of a fundraiser and you're trying to move the mission of the church forward there. So, you know, what's what's one thing you can do take one thing you can do within the context of this fundraiser to take it just from a money making event to make an evangelizing event. So that we're not we're not only going to make money, but we're also going to transform hearts with the saving message of Jesus, right? So this is how you you start to think when you boil down that that one question, and that that's the first place you have to start if you want to make change in your parish is to boil it down to that one question: If I want to move the mission of Jesus to make disciples forward in my parish, what is the one thing that I need to change that leverages that mission forward? But once you've decided, then it's a matter of commitment because all of those probably sounded good to you. Um, all of those options are probably like, yeah, I want to do all of those, but you can't do all of them, right? There's that law of diminishing return, Ty, right? What are the numbers on that law? Well, man, you focus on one to two things, you're going to get one to two things done. You focus on three to nine things, you're going to get one thing done. But if you focus on 10 or more, you get none of those things done. So once you have decided, commit. Because there's always going to be that moment when you think, maybe we should have done X instead. Or maybe we can also do X. Write this one thing down that you know is the most important that's going to leverage the mission of the church forward. Write it down and write why it's the most important change that you can implement now. Because that's what you're going to lean on going forward. And with that, Let's move on to Devil's Advocate. John, all of that sounds really good. The different 
tactics and all these things. We let's say we do decide on just one thing that we're going to change. What if people don't like the change? Yeah, that's a real possibility. It is entirely possible that people are are not going to like the change, right? So the number one thing that I that I need to say is that you're the leader, so lead. You are the leader in the parish. You've been hired into this position, right? Coworkers in the vineyard, that great um, encyclical from our bishops, it talks about how that is a specific calling, and it is in partnership with our pastors. So you you need to lead, and that means even when the decision isn't popular, you still need to make that decision anyway. And number two, I would say just like Jesus, you got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross, right? And 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 a little tip too. If you are upsetting people, it's a great way to provoke the lukewarm. It's a great way to engage them in real dialogue that that otherwise they wouldn't that wouldn't even be possible because they're just disconnected. They're so far from it. And so if you if you do change something and it rubs some ruffles some feathers, that's a great opportunity for engagement and real dialogue. And and I will say when I've made the right decisions for the right reasons, I've never had somebody come into my office angry at me and leave more angry. They always go, oh, those are good reasons. And so even if I don't like it, even if I don't love it, I understand that those are good reasons. Right? As you're leading people, we need to remember that they will go where they will go where we lead them if we tell them where we're going and why. Typically, people will follow. They just want to be heard. So it's okay. Again, Take a deep breath. People aren't going to like the change. Some aren't, right? I've, I've had people tell me that I am the reason their children won't be Catholic because I changed, you know, the format of the program. So we just have to remember that. And I was reading from, uh, I was reading the Mass readings the other day, and Psalm 52 came up as a responsorial, and it says, I trust in the mercy of God forever. <laughs> the people you upset might not be merciful towards you. But the Lord is merciful. So even if you guffaw this up, trust in the mercy of the Lord. Trust that you've been faithful. Psalm 52 also goes on to say, I, like a green olive tree in the house of the Lord, trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will thank you always for what you have done and proclaim the goodness of your name before your faithful ones. So it's all about trust. Jesus called you to this. So what if people don't like the change? This is his work. Like an olive tree, you can't do anything except be fed by him and then bear his fruit. So be the olive tree. Be planted firm. Allow him to feed you and allow him to bear the fruit for you. Yeah, people are inherently adverse to change. I mean, you look at, you know, a big... um thing that sticks out in my head is like when Moses goes up to the mountain to receive the commandments, um, well, it comes back down and what are they doing? Revelries. Yeah. They're, they're, they're worshiping a golden calf. Like he's like, what? I was gone for like 40 days and I come back down and you guys have reverted back to idolatry. Right. So naturally we are going to, I'm, I'm not saying that our parish is being idolatrous. That's not what I'm <laughs> saying. Not, they're not putting up a golden calf. They're not putting up a golden calf. But what they're doing is they will probably try to go back to the old ways of doing things 
And another thing that I thought of, because I am a new parent, John, when you had set this great system up of having great meetings in one of your parishes, you went on paternity leave and you came back and what happened? Oh, I was so mad. Dude, we spent thousands of dollars to go to a conference to learn how to change these things. And uh, we implemented, and this was a big push for me, like a better way to do meetings so we could get more done. I went on paternity leave, and when I came back, they were doing the same old thing. They just scrapped it. And it was really frustrating. Yeah. So my answer to the devil's advocate of, you know, what if people don't like the change? It's okay. We just have to prepare them for it. Right. Here's why we're doing it. Like, like we've been saying all along, here's where we're going and here's, here's why we're going there. Well, here's the change. Here's why it's necessary. Here's mm-hmm. why the, the, the change ne- needs to be done. I'm not doing this because I got a wild hair. I'm not doing this because I am, you know, trying to force my will upon this staff. Um, we need it because we are doing things that are netting us little to no results. And if we have that question answered that you had asked previously, you know, what's the one thing that would would have the most impact to the church's mission? If we have that answer and we know, and we can see where we're going, well, the change then becomes necessary. Not why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Because you've already answered that question. Yeah, absolutely. And and we will. So next week is all about communicating that change. And that's a big part of it is setting up that conversation well, doing your homework so you can have success with this decision that you've made. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to roll into that a lot this next week when we meet up. Amen. Should, should we move on to some actionable steps? Let's do it. All right. So this week, it's pretty straightforward. You need to answer that question from above. If everything else in the parish stays the same, what is the one area where change would have the greatest impact on implementing the church's mission? So I want you to answer that question for yourself. But then the next actionable step, then the second part of this is to think of three people that are really invested in your ministries. They, they, they bring energy. They want to be there. They want to see it be excellent and see it succeed. Think of those three people and, and just run it by them. Just run it by them. See what they think. Pick their brains. You can schedule coffee or you can just send them an email and say, hey, at our next formation meeting, I have an idea I want to run by you. Just get the conversation going. So those two steps. Answer the question. Pick three people that that you trust that are embedded in your ministry that that you really want to run that idea by. And if you do that, I think you'll, you'll be setting yourself up for a lot more success with making this decision and implementing it. So good. All right, thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals Podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. And as always, we need your feedback. We love your feedback. Please submit an honest review on your podcast app or email us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at catholicministryprofessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.